You're listening to the Barnes Corner Fitness Podcast, a jam session about exercise and nutrition. Our goal is to provide you with interesting topics that educate, inspire, and motivate you to become a healthier human, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Now, let's jam. You're listening to the Barnes Corner Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montgomery. This is episode three. I'm here with Dave Saunders, hey, hey. Josh Krause, and special guest, Cully Neal. Hey. Hey. All right. Good. So we got a special guest today with us, guys. Uh, Cully Neal, collegiate football player, Army Ranger, Lieutenant, sorry, I apologize, Lieutenant Colonel Cully Neal. Fantastic stuff right there. I know. You're you're a humble guy. Are Super humble guy. Right What's that? Are you blushing right now? Uh, I'm straight fangirling. I'm it not might, even gonna it lie. It might be a few beers. And, Roger that. and level two CrossFit trainer. Level two CrossFit trainer. Awesome. The most esteemed the accomplishments. Yeah. <laughs> so Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> wow, that was so funny. Pleasure. It's <laughs> by the way, this episode is sponsored by Corona light. Corona light. Mas cervezas, por favor. Yeah, we have about six Corona lights all for Lieutenant Colonel. Cur- Lies. Curl. Yeah. Um, anyhow, Cully, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. Man, this is awesome. I'm glad, glad you're here with us. Um, for you guys that don't know, uh, Coach Cully, he was a collegiate football player, Army Ranger, and level two CrossFit trainer. He trains for us here at the gym and we asked him to come on the podcast today to talk about the, uh, armed forces training protocol. And since the invasion of CrossFit training, the changes that has been made to the protocol, uh, since basically since you went in or since you enlisted. So I'm going to start out and I'm going to turn the mic over to you, but I just want to ask you, why don't you give us a brief history where you're born and uh, what you did before you entered the military, and uh, and then we'll go from there. Uh, so I was born in uh, New Orleans, Indiana, uh-huh. and um, grew up on a farm, um, four brothers, five boys total, sister, she ran away from home, we were real young, haven't reconnected with her really since then, but we were hellions, and uh, you know, a lot of fights. Um, a lot of bad grades, a lot of late nights, even when I was young. <laughs> uh, and it was just a rough and tumble time. You know, my dad was uh, sort of a rolling stone, uh, not around. Uh, my mom worked about three jobs. And uh, Everybody hear that? <laughs> Mike cracked an <laughs> like, open. My mom worked about three jobs, and, uh, you know, she was the grinder. And, like, even today, like, she is uh, – for us five boys, she is still, she is still our hero. Um, survivor of domestic violence, uh, survivor of raising five boys, three jobs most of her life. And, uh, you know, we grew, just grew up dirt poor. <clears throat> and I think that sort of, you know, I wouldn't change it. It sort of breeds that, uh, you know, that survivalist mentality, like, you know, no one's coming, right? Like, you're going to have to figure this shit out on your own. Uh, so. Uh, we moved to North Carolina, like crazy event, house burnt down when I was a kid, watched it burn to the ground, sat in the parking lot of our, you know, little Section 8 
shit <laughs> and watched that shit burn to the ground. And uh, moved in with our grandma. Like, we salvaged some stuff. I finished that school year, and then, like, we got a U-Haul and we moved to North Carolina at a very young age. <clears throat> um, got to North Carolina, and then, uh, you know, just a lot for the parents, right? So they, they split, divorced. And um, we how, how old were you then when you moved to North Carolina? Maybe six. Okay. Six. And so there was nothing there. Um, the year we moved there, it was Christmas, I think, 1983. And, uh, I mean, it was not even, I mean, I go back now and, you know, 25, 30 years later, and, I mean, there's these massive beach houses along the beach, you know, 15, $30 million mansions. None of that shit was there. It was cinder block homes in my house, and it was dunes, and it was beach, and it was water, and it was wind, and it was raw. And we moved there. And, uh, like, you know, my dad, it didn't last long between my mom and my dad if we moved there uh, maybe a year before they divorced. And uh, then that was sort of it, you know. It was like me and my, my younger brother, Cody, my three older brothers uh, stayed in Indiana, and uh, so we were just a sort of a dysfunctional split-up family. Um, Emerald Isle, yeah. So my mom was like, you know, she took a job at a bar, local bar. She's like, I got to keep these kids busy. And so I was probably – I had played football for two years in Indiana for the Little Generals. And um, I started that when I was five. And I was about seven when I moved to North Carolina. So she, she, um, she enrolled me or signed me up for – the Moorhead City Raiders, and and so like that, and she's like, I gotta get this dude in football because he's driving me fucking <laughs> insane. So she put me in football, and uh, uh, this woman, man, like you know, I go to school all day, and I come home, and I'd watch some damn He-Man and Transformers because I think everybody did at that point, and she would after I watched my little cartoons, and she'd say, get your ass in the car, and we are going to Moorhead. And she'd drop me off every day, and that those dudes they. And they were all, every one of them was black kids. <laughs> There's a couple of Mexican and a couple of white kids running around there. But, like, that's who I started to run with. And the strange thing about that was um, because the county is so big, there's only really one high school in the county and on our side. And all those kids that I got introduced with when I was, like, seven, uh, I, I ended up playing middle school ball with them. We played high school ball together. Um, and we graduated together. So those kids that I met, you know, like I ran with, like, you know, throughout my, you know, the whole time I was in high school. Um, Do you think that that camaraderie at an early age influenced your military career at all? I think so. I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can overlook that. You know, I really don't know how it influenced. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it influenced it, but, mm -hmm. you know, like hindsight 2020, I'm sure it had an impact um, because I still, even to this day, uh, talk to those guys and there's people in the military that I met when I started 20 years ago that I reached back to and talk and talk to so I think it probably influenced me you know that way and you know that year that first year in the Raiders we went like 10 and 0 we crushed people the second year I played for those guys we went we beat this regional team and I don't remember a whole lot about it we beat this regional team and then when we beat the regional team uh, we went to a an area where we beat some team from south carolina then we ended up playing the east coast championship for like against this team from new jersey who flew in and they crushed us but i just remember like 
being part of this thing that was great. And yeah. I was so young. And, you know, my mom was like, she tended bar, right? Um, she had education, but she hadn't finished her degree at, the, at that point. She ended up doing that later. But she would drive me 30 miles in this damn 1970 brown Gran Torino with some bungee cords on the hood and shit. And I remember there was no heater. And the cops pulled us over one time. She had, because she was swerving all over the fucking road, and she, it's because it was like 25 degrees out, and she had blankets all over her, like with gloves on. <laughs> and she was freezing her ass off, and she's swerving on the road. The cop pulls her over, and she, and I, me and my brother are in the back seat, and they're like, she's like, ma'am, you've been drinking? And she's like, no, I'm fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so she it pulls pulls her up pulls her over and you know i mean that's you know it's just the kind of stuff that my mom did like she drove us 30 30 miles every day to go to football practice yeah. you know so this that foundation of that is really what set you up for that mental toughness that prepared you for your collegiate football career your military career and now going forward you know your family and everything like that but what's the the next question I have for you is, what made you join the army? Like, what year was that when you when you joined? Because you so, what, well, first, where'd you go to college? So 1993, I graduated uh, high school. I was supposed to go off and play some some football for some big schools, and I ended up getting in a lot of trouble my senior year. Big schools were like, we don't do that. So let's 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 figure out how to get you to a junior college. So I went out to. Uh, East Texas or junior college. It is like the penal league of football. I mean, there are a lot of really good football players there. Yeah, 18 years old. No grades. 18 years football. old. Lots of muscles, full facial hair and tattoos. Right. Like Straight that kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So I get there and there, this is a, this is a wild ass story. There's I, I got this opportunity. They're like, Hey man, you got, we got 10 scholarships and, uh, from out of state because you know texas football is very incestuous and it needs to be you know like they have a lot of great football players in that state and so here i'm this kid from north carolina who was a you know i was i was a, a recruit that was recruited heavily but i just didn't have the shit i had the magic you know i had the grades and you know i blew it right like i got in trouble and they're like well okay so you know in texas it doesn't matter what you do in minnesota or north carolina or georgia you're an outsider in Texas, you know, like, okay, you can improve yourself. <clears throat> so 10 scholarships, 20 dudes. And literally they, the first day of practice, they put us in this dirt floor locker room underneath the visitor side, uh, stands and they're like, earn your keep. And I'm in there with these penal league dudes <laughs> and I'm just like, holy lines. Like I got, I, I made the cut, right? Like I got a scholarship. I went to uh, to to, to uh, Kilgore Junior College. I played one year there. We were one and nine. Um, I got kicked out for beer and women. And uh, then you know I, I went home and I was like sulking and I'm like I got to do something. And my mom's like, I don't know what you're gonna do, but you can't be hanging out with the same dude you hung out with to get your ass in trouble the first time. So what are we gonna do? And about that time, some c coach called me from uh, this little Division two school called Iowa Wesleyan and said, Check it out. You want to play football? I went, I would like to. And he said, I, this is the only place in America where I can make you eligible if you want to come. And I went, all right. And he said, uh, if you come up here, you'll be an All-American within the next year. And I was, twice. So 
how it worked. I went Congrats. to school at Iowa Wesleyan College. Yeah, went to school at IWC that or Iowa Wesleyan right, University. That coach right there, straight Coach up, Cobb, straightened you out, and you and you you probably respect him more than one of the most respected people. You, yeah, yeah. Co- coach Cobb yeah. was his name, and when I got up there, he took me under his wing like a, I was his son. I started getting running with the wrong people, and the only did he called on me. <laughs> That's a power move. Right my there. mom called me. And she's like, "What are you doing? Are you even doing this again right now?" I'm like, "Well, okay, we'll fix it." <laughs> so I fixed it. I graduated. I met my wife there, Aaron. Uh, we've been married for uh, almost 24 years now. So, so you met your wife in college. That's right. After college, you decided to go into the military. Now your wife is also in the military. So, explain that story a little bit. So we met our uh, freshman year. Went to college together, graduated together. <clears throat> I may have taken an extra year in there. I'm not sure. Because of her. Maybe. Yeah, it, yeah that's it. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, college may have been five years for me. I just can't recall. But I graduated. <laughs> I, I graduated. And, um, you know, we got out. And my, ed- my degree's in education. So I started teaching school at a Catholic school. And um, her, she's a double major, biology and chemistry and so she's coming off the beach and uh, runs into this army guy. This army's got the army guy goes, "Hey, you ever been to college?" And he's obviously recruiting her for, for college. So she walks by him. She's like, "No, I'm done. I've been to college. Thanks." And he says, "You want your loans repaid?" And she swivels on him. Huh. Yeah, she's like, uh, "That sounds interesting." Um, my wife went to college on a softball scholarship, fast pitch softball. She played for two years. She lost interest. She wanted to focus on grades, double major, all that stuff. She quit the softball team. Well, that left her with about forty, about forty grand in debt, college loans. And I so, would love forty grand in debt right now. I would love it. Yeah. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, now one year of college is like sixty yeah. grand. Yeah. But anyhow, damn, forty grand in debt. He says, "Hey." Repay it, your debt. It was twenty four thousand dollars to go to that school. I got a scholarship, so I'm not complaining but like it's twenty four thousand dollars a year to go to that school and that seems like a fortune now uh, and that I'm, is a drop in the that's bucket. how much like community college that's right it's, that's books right <laughs> it's room and board and books so he recruited you guys to pay basically to, for her to pay well, so he recruited yeah he recruited her you know he's like hey i'll pay your college loans back she she comes home she's like i'm thinking about doing this and i went hey i fully support you so like six First, months what, later what year was this 1999 99, okay. six months later she's gone to basic training and then about a, a year after that, she had done her own thing, and I was just sort of lagging behind, and like we lost touch, and we separated for a year. And I moved to Indiana to teach school, and uh, she stayed in the army. She came to visit me. Sort of didn't work out. We thought the thing was going to dissolve. You know, we've been dating for about four and a half years. We had just gotten married. Been married for about a year and a half. And then I was like, you know. I gotta do something about it. it's not only I don't it's not about my marriage at this point it's about me like I gotta fix me like I'm I'm teaching school I'm working part-time jobs I'm making nothing she's out there you know grinding making a career what are you gonna do so I'm like I gotta figure out something to do in the army because if I get in the army I can go be with her so you're teaching school what what, what did you teach in school uh, elementary school, so I, it was it was the rounded curriculum. So I, I spelling, math, history. Can like you see this guy teaching little kids? Hey, I was good at it. I, know. I, I liked it. You know what I didn't like? It's almost like teaching a nine thirty CrossFit class. <laughs> oh. Far far easier. Yeah, far easier. Yeah, I would not want to teach the nine nine o'clock CrossFit class. 
class. I, I'll I'll stay with the the five thirty. It's like teaching a pre K. I mean, you got to give them some credit. First or second grade tops. Right. <laughs> First or second grade. So we shout got out good, to my so nine thirty ladies. Just let me caveat: we got we got good people in this CrossFit place here. Oh, Boston. absolutely. They love they know them. that uh, it's all in love. So you go in the when what when did you enlist? Ninety nine. Can I finish this part about? Yeah, I was gonna say like what's what's that catalytic point there, of like right? Hey, like, like it goes there like there's a spark, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, so she's in the army. We're separated for a year, and I'm like, I gotta do something with my life. Like, I gotta step up and do something for me. And uh, she got out of the army. We went to Fayetteville, Fort Bragg. She's enlisted. I was not working at the time, and uh, and she's coming over there with a paycheck. So I'm like, oh, I got to do some shit. So I went and took the ASVAB and I wanted to be a generator mechanic. And I was like, I'm going to go do this. And somewhere along the line, I saw this ad for an army diver. And I'm like, nope, I'm doing that. I want to do that. I went to the army recruiter and I said, I want to be this. I literally walked into the place with a piece of paper and a picture. And I went, I want to do this. And he went, uh, I don't even know the army had divers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, yeah, well, it says it here. And he goes, so he calls me back like two days later. And he goes, just like this, uh, hey, bro, we do got divers. And if you want to go in, I can have you gone in three weeks. And I went, done and done. <laughs> That's so you're teaching kindergarten. Now you're going to go diving in the Army. I wasn't teaching kindergarten. I was teaching, I was teaching fourth grade. Oh, oh. Sorry, I apologize. Fourth grade. You should have seen me at kickball. <laughs> launch that shit every time. Wait, is back this back yeah, I was that guy back when I got to the plate. I, they would just naturally back up to the. If fence. you guys ever saw that movie called uh, what's the Adam Sandler movie? Oh, uh, when he goes back, to Billy Madison. Billy, Billy Madison. Madison. That was based on Cully's real life. <laughs> Dude, I, was, I would launch that a, damn thing, and I would. I, it, it was, there was nothing to it, but the the fear in their heart and eyes when I came to the plate. So what year was this? This was you enlisted in what year? Ninety nine or two thousand? I I enlisted in two thousand. This was ninety nine. So you enlisted in two thousand as an officer? I'm guessing. No, I mean I went enlisted. You went in enlisted. That's right. Okay, yep. so two thousand. You go in. Yeah. All right, you're in for. Uh, I go in to be a zero zero Bravo engineer diver. So it's about like a 90 percent attrition rate. So crazy ass me, I make it. And I end up in Virginia Beach at uh, 86th team in the dive detachment. And uh, spent some time there for about three years. Made sergeant. Uh, was I mean, My only goal in the Army was I wanted to be a first-class diver, and I wanted to be a drill sergeant. That's it. And then they sent me to this sapper school thing. And it was my first exposure of being in the woods with a pack and 30 other guys and living on the land, you know, like just doing hard shit. And it, and I did it for, you know, a month and I loved it. And I got back and I go, how do I do that for my whole job? And my Lieutenant was like, you need to go to OCS and be your officer. I go, how do I be a ranger? And he goes, you just need to go to infantry and be an officer. And after that's where everything fell in place. I went, I uh, put my packet in for OCS and infantry was my first choice. I got my first choice. I went to Fort Benning graduated OCS. I went to airborne school and I jumped out of aircraft. I went to ranger school and um, then I, I got my first assignment and on my first assignment, luckily enough, right to OIF-1, initial invasion. So what year was that when you finished ranger school? Uh, 2003. 
Okay, so after 2001. So let me let me let's just rewind slightly because one I have written down here. You went in pre 9/11. Mm-hmm. 9-11 hits. Where were you, and how did that change your life? Yeah, so I was parked in the um, intersection by my wife's work. We were both working on Fort Eustis, Virginia, and I had just left the uh, dive detachment. Uh, I was um, uh, I was in processing. I graduated dive school in August. I in processed Fort Eustis in September. And I was in processing. I was sitting at a, uh, a stoplight, and... I heard it on the radio. I was listening to Howard Stern. I heard yeah. it on the I heard it on Pam, the radio. Pam Anderson and that other comedian. I was listening to the same show. Howard Stern. And I remember going, I remember "This is Howard Stern. He could be fucking with us. This is could be bullshit." And I remember looking to my left, and the lady in the, the car on my left had her mouth open, just like, "What the?" F-? And I was like, "This is real." And that was the first plane. And then the second plane hit when I, I drove directly to the hospital where my wife was at and my buddies were there, a couple guys on the dive team and they were in the waiting room and we linked up and we watched the second tower fall on that TV there. So that's where I was at. And then what, what immediately went through your head? We're gone, we're gone or, or what? Well, I remember my team leader said we were having a Halloween party on October 30th and I was a little worried about that at that point. <laughs> Honestly, like, you know, of course, I'm a young guy, right? And I go, well, are we still having the Halloween party? No, of course not, man. Like, you know, so then uh, I just remember that was important. And I'm not downplaying the, the events that occur. Those are important. They've been important to me my whole life. And I've deployed multiple times to, to go fight those same people that did that. But, you know, to bring some levity, like, I just remember thinking, you know, after it happened, of course, the gravity of it, you know, grabbed the hold of me. And then I remember thinking after that, like, you know, damn, like this has changed everything because, and I was just an E4 at the time, I was a specialist and I got put on gate guard and, and you know, my, I remember my sergeant saying while we were on gate guard, cause we volunteered for it. My sergeant was like, yeah, I guess that damn Halloween party ain't happening. And it just broke a lot of people's hearts because <laughs> we thought it would be, you know, two weeks and done September 11th. Right. And here we are in October 15th, 20th. Now and we're going, this thing's becoming protracted. Like this is, this is, it's sort of like, COVID-19 right? right like people are like oh well you know it'll wash over our area and be done well I think we're kind of realizing at this point like this is life-changing for everyone it's world-changing it's like event it's one of those you know critical catalytic events that happen you know once every century and we're part of it and that's the way 9-11 was so I mean that changed the our era because I'm we're the same age the guys that are our age are the guys that fought that war, yeah. you know, well, I mean, yeah. you know, directly related to you, but, right. um, so when you're gone, you know, you're a young guy at the time we're 25, 26 years old. That happens. That push. Now you said two years later, you go into Ranger, you go, go to Ranger school, 2003. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So what 2001 happened, um, September 11th, <clears throat> When did you? When was your first deployment? So, two months, two months after September 11th, I go I ship off this this sapper school, and I mean, that's a now it's a tab, and it's like a more elite school. When I went, there was no tab for it. There was What's no sapper? Sapper is uh, the equivalent of. It's sort of less the equivalent, I guess, as most people would see it. I, I, I would see it as more, but it's like ranger school, but it's okay. for engineers. Gotcha. Ranger, ranger school is more infantry geared, okay. and, and both of them are leadership schools. Okay. But 
Ranger School is uh, it's very infantry heavy, and the engine in Sapper School is more engineer heavy. It's more uh, demolitions and reconnaissance. And engineer, uh, excuse me, Ranger School is is uh, much more focused on offensive attack, ambush, raid, things like that. So Sapper School, I took off there for thirty days, and like, you know, it just sort of, uh, I just sort of, it was September eleventh occurred. I took off to Sapper School after that. And I just happened to be walking through the hallway, and I remember oh, I was just a you know, young specialist walking through the hallway, and I hear my first sergeant in the uh, in the room just bitching somebody out. I mean, yell at the top of his lungs, and I'm like, I'm just gonna scoot on through here, <laughs> try, try, try not to get any damage, right? Check. Like shrapnel, tactical evasion. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the the door. Did you give him one of these? No, the door flies open and like five people go out and he walks out and he goes, get your asses out of here. And he looks at me and he goes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I go, I just stood there and I went to pray to rest and I go, oh, specialist Neil, first sergeant. And he goes, do you want to go to Sapper school? And I kept myself fit, you know, like this is part of it. And I go, I, I do. And he goes, well, good. You need to go tell your platoon sergeant that I'm going to send you to Sapper school and get your ass out of here. And so that's how I went to cypher school, like chance, happenstance. <laughs> you know why those five dudes got kicked out of his office? They didn't want to go in the winter in December because it was cold and they put your ass in the water in a lake and we're divers. What? WTF. Yeah. Right? Like that's our thing. And so that's how I ended up there. Um, so that's the cypher school story. Which, you know? which did you, and I, I, I understand they're different, but which did you find more difficult Sapper or uh, Ranger School? So for me, when I went to Sapper School, like it was, I was an E4. It was my first, I, I had, when I got there, I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I have gotten myself into more than I think I can handle. You know, I just had, I had no idea. Like right as in the military, I was sort of, um, I went right to dive, right when I graduated basic training, I went to dive school, which was tough, mm -hmm. but it wasn't tactical. It, you know, divers are not, tactical like they are they they have a salvage mission you know they have a reconnaissance mission but they have a salvage and a demolition mission which is important but it's not tactical <coughs> so i remember when i got to cyber school it was all tactical i remember thinking like there's procedures for an ambush like you don't just like run and gun and like shoot people up and shit like in the movies and like it wasn't like that like op orders and you know just stuff like that and i just it was just it was a lot for me to take in at one time so i can just remember thinking like I have gotten myself in deeper than I think, and I've got to figure out a way to get out of this with this with and graduate. Yeah, and that was it. So for me, Sapper School was like far harder. Really? For yeah, 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 all of it. Like the plans, the operations, the briefs, the movements, like all of it was just so demanding and difficult. <coughs> Ranger School was there's you know Sapper School happens in a 30 day window. Ranger School happens in a 62 day window. It was just that 30 days was like. It was just so compressed. And I'm in, in, in Ranger School, you got these breaks where you're in the field for eight days, you come out for four, you're in the field for four days, you come out for two, you know. Sapper School was like 14 days continuous mm. in the end. It's 30 days long, 14 days up front learning, understanding, doing tests, like, you know, learning the skills required to go to the field for two weeks. And then in two weeks is the application piece. And um, it's just two weeks in the field is a long ass time when you think about it, you know, and that's unaided. That's on the move. That's eating MREs. That's 
you know, conducting resupply, that's conducting patrols, raids, ambushes the whole time, and almost no food, almost no sleep. And at the end of that thing, it's just dreadful. And when I got to ranger school, I mean, ranger school's hard, taking nothing away from it, but, like, there's parts where I was like, it's kind of a break, you know, four days in garrison or, you know, back on at camp planning and eating and... I mean, it was just it was just a little bit of a break. So for me, I, I think a lot of the, my youth in the army had a lot to do with that. Like I just didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I'd gotten into. Mm-hmm. So it was you're you're kind of dumb enough to keep going. I was dumb <laughs> enough to graduate. <laughs> just dumb enough to just tough enough yep. to graduate. Mm-hmm. The the fine line between hard and retard. So what's like? Uh, well, this is kind of two parts. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from both? And also like that one, like your fa- I guess your favorite part. Of both and then like that that takeaway of like yeah. all right i'm gonna keep this for a while so my my favorite takeaway uh from both of them was i met people that like when you're walking and you're doing you, you know you got a really heavy pack on your back you got a long way to go you know you're, you're operating with minimal sleep and minimal food um when you do that when you put yourself under duress when you put yourself in situations where, or when you put a group in a situation um, where it's stressful and people have to come together, it, it creates a team environment, right? Like nothing builds a team better than shared like hardship. And I just remember that. And, and right when you're sort of like getting this team thing put together, you're like, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to get my buddy his go. So you got a goes in ranger school, you know, if you get a go or no go, you got to have a certain amount of goes on these patrols to pass. And you're telling yourself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my buddy a go. And you do. And you sort of band together to make sure everybody gets this go. And then all of a sudden they call your name and you're the leader. And, and you know, people haven't slept for two or three days, haven't eaten well. And then now you're the leader and they're going, you need to conduct a raid. And you see all these guys like, hey, what do I need to do to help? And like, that's my biggest takeaway. And that's like, and it goes back to like, I think what you mentioned or, or someone mentioned earlier about camaraderie, you know? Yeah. Like sort of, it's sort of like tied it all together for me. It's probably my biggest takeaway from that. Favorite thing out of both schools. Food. <laughs> <laughs> the food. There, there's, there, they cut, there's, there's two things. They, they say there's sleeping Rangers and there's eating Rangers. Meaning when they go, <coughs> Ranger, you got seven minutes to eat or sleep. Take your pick. And I always, <laughs> always ate. I would be like, fuck sleep. I'm going to sit up here. And my ranger buddy, who I was good enough to have, he was like, yep, I'm an eater too. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would, he would, we, we'd both crack our MREs and we would take, because seven minutes is a long ass time in ranger school to eat an MRE. And maybe it was a little longer, maybe 11 minutes or something. I can't remember. Seven, seven jumps out at me for some reason. But I can remember, you know, just sitting there enjoying that, like, Closing my eyes, just looking up at the stars and enjoying spaghetti and meatballs with Tabasco and salt in it, and uh, just and, and and cutting the package open and just licking every ounce of calorie out of that thing. So, best part. So you're not a you're not a tiny person. What do you what do you what are you six uh, six almost six about six four, six four. two twenty five right now what, 230. what uh, did you drop? pretty good weight when you're in ranger school so when i went to ranger school i was uh, same height i was about 210 i i I still dropped 35 pounds yeah so i graduated at actually it's more than that i graduated in just over 170 yeah i mean i was yeah i was in some bad shit well and then that i mean that shows the 
the lack of sleep, the extreme stress levels that they put you through, it's purposeful, you know. It is, you know, and and it's it's not to hurt your you know hurt your feelings or anything. it's to build better leaders, because you, you if you're going to take your guys into into duress, if you're going to take your guys into those little fiery redoubts like on the side of a mountain somewhere, and you're going to ask them to go at elevation of nine thousand feet and walk up there and fight all night and not eat or sleep, then it, it's helpful to know that you've been there and done that. Yeah, I heard a um actually th- this was a a buds instructor, so this is Navy, not you know rival a little bit but his his whole thing was it's it's not trying to just break you but it's it's a mental exercise that they use the body to accomplish no oh, absolutely right. so. yeah and you know i had an instructor in dive school explain it to me uh he would uh they get us out there on this pier at night and um and it's cold as hell and it's this metal pier and he'd say get in the water and all of us and at this point there was probably 20 of us that were left and or eight uh, or 20 of us that started about eight of us left <clears throat> so it's sort of the weeding out process wake wake you up take you out to the dock and we're jumping in and out of this water and i'm um, standing there and like it goes through your mind i don't care who you are you know like everybody if you tell me you're fearless i'll call you a liar and it, it goes through everybody's mind to quit and instructors noticed that and it was eight of us left out of 20 and uh, that army guys that went there and, uh, you know, he goes getting the water, and I'm getting in and out of the water. I'm standing on the pier going, I don't know if I want to get in that water again. And he walks by me, and he goes, um, he could see. And he goes, Neil, get in the water. And I just looked at him, and he goes, because we like you. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in the water, you know. But I can remember him saying, uh, he's Puerto Rican. He would say, get in the water. <laughs> and that's how it sounded. <laughs> get in the water. And he would he we would get we would get out of the water and we'd be like fuck you, and we'd stand there shaking shaking and shivering and then he would say, "Cold is all in your mind, but cold and wet that is a reality. Get in the water." And it was over and over and over and over. And it goes back to that mental toughness piece. You know, at some point in time, like you resolve with yourself. There's no getting out of this. No one's coming. You're on your own. Uh, you can either stay here or not, and then that's where you start to, you know, sort of develop that that path to the room where y- you make it every exercise. You, you put another little piece in that path in that room where you can lock yourself away, and you see yourself from above almost, and it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's cold. It's painful. Okay, but we're just gonna do this. Get to that next. Uh, yeah. Eat or sleep. That's right. What was your eat? eat. Definitely. What What would you say when that, when that breaking point hits? What was your What was your go to in that like, that standing there like I do not want to go in the water again, and then it clicks that yeah. little moment where you're like, you know what, I can do this again. It, it, I think it's for me. I mean, I would love to say it's like. It sounds good to say oh, it's about my family. I think about my kids, but for me, I mean, and I think a lot of people might say this is reputational. And it goes back to that camaraderie thing where you're like, I'm not going to be that guy that, you know, that taps out. I'm not going to be that guy that doesn't go back in the water. And I think <coughs> when you see other people go in the water, you you tell yourself, why am I special? Why not me? So you just go in the water. You know, it's reputational. Like, I'm not, I, I just couldn't see myself. Maybe it is part of my family. just because like I never could see myself going back to my wife as defeated mm-hmm. and and I have been after that, like I've gone back to my wife as a failure um, in the military and military things, schools, that uh, I, a school that I've tried. 
but in that moment I'm young and I really got a lot on the line and you know like I just didn't want to be that guy I mean I had a reputation that I was like I'm setting my mark here and I'm not going to do that I'm just not I'm not going to that's not my answer okay. so yeah. and to be part of a elite one of America's elite infantry units right yeah like get that ranger tab yeah that type of uh yeah opposite opposite question worst thing you hated the most out of both schools worst thing you just said the worst thing that you hated the most yeah worst well, I think it's the legit. worst it's a of double the hate that hated double hatred <laughs> loathe entirely fuck man that's a absolute abhorrence there's some alliteration for you that's a tough one um get your sat words out of here damn <laughs> fucking hate it what i hate mild dislike i don't know like uh, so i'm not a glutton for punishment and i'm not going to say i liked every minute of it i certainly didn't um all your all your instructors were you didn't hate any of them i didn't hate i didn't hate any of them i just saw i you know they had a job was it because you were a little more mature than these other guys you were possibly yeah you know how like you got guys that are directly out of high school going into the military and now you're out of college you've already been through you know athletic program and yeah. you're kind of a little bit more mature and you I, I do remember thinking like um like i just want to like ranger school 62 days <clears throat> and only about 30 percent of folks make it um through the first time and i remember um my wife she said when i went when i went into ranger school she left virginia and she's like because I was supposed to go to Fort Campbell, Kentucky right after ranger school, be the 101st. And she goes, I'm going to go ahead to Fort Campbell. And I was like, no pressure there. You know, Basically, as I took that, is be done in 62 days. Don't be part of the 66% that doesn't make it. You need to get here. And I just remember thinking of that sometimes going, to me, that was more pressure than like, I found ranger school sucked, don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying anyone else's experience, but I found Ranger School very exhilarating. I liked it. I liked the struggle. I liked I liked the challenge. I liked the heavy rucksack. I liked taking the radio. I liked all that. <clears throat> it just wasn't, that was not the issue for me. The issue was what stressed me out the most, what I didn't like, was like, I really got to graduate in 62 days. So, and I did. And I think that's the biggest, that's a part of it is, the individuals that do very well in these schools, a lot of them, that's kind of their take, right? Yeah. It's like you, you're able to get past the, this physically sucks. I have a tick on my back that's sucking the life out of me. You're, that's, you're okay yeah. with that, you know? It's all about perspective. You know, like uh, the obstacle is the opportunity, you know? Like I'm, regardless of what happens here, I'm, I'm learning. Like, and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's the perspective piece, I think. It's going past the part where you're like this sucks or my boss sucks or I don't want to do this like you know you take the sort of stoic mentality is like you know I live in the is period there is no um, what if question or what's next question it's what is and, and when you take that mentality it's yeah it does it changes you you're like this is this is these are my constraints these are my limitations this is my environment this is where I live and so be it if they want to be mean okay I just don't know what else to say about that, you know. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna execute. Yeah. yeah. And and what you just said there about it's an opportunity, like seeing it in a positive light as an opportunity. That means you have an opportunity to win 
I think and it's you're going to win. That's yeah, it. I think it's huge. You know, like, you know, even when you're riding down the road and, you know, you get a flat tire and you're on your way to an interview or something, you're like, all right, like, I got it. It's my perspective on this. This is how I look at it. Is it an opportunity? Maybe. This really sucks right now because I'm going to be late and I got to call this guy. But what can I learn from it? And the things that you learn from it, I've learned, may not come in that moment. It may be months or years from then, but you got to keep your ear to the ground and be like, you know, what? What what was that about? You know, revisit those moments. Yeah. So, question for you, and, and this will be a slight jump forward. What did your training? So, obviously, when you're in these schools, right? It, it's not really about working out. It's more, you know, you're doing PT and and you're getting run to the ground. So, once you're past that school, where you're trying to work out, how did that adjust? What did that look like? Um. I didn't, you know, for me, working out was like a drag. Like, I just didn't like it. It was, even in college, like I went to weight training sessions and I got strong and I was was a strong guy. But I wasn't the guy that was in the weight room first and out last. Like, that just wasn't me. Um, So, it had no effect on me, Mm -hmm. really. Like, I was, I did push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups in the Blessed Trio, right? And I ran. And I was, I, I liked to run. But my problem was, is that I wasn't strong. You know, I was a great runner and I could run long distances and and do them in great times. But I, you know, I just, I wasn't strong. And the army wasn't asking me to be strong. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a diet, I had to carry hundred pounds equipment from neutral buoyancy. The only time I really got under duress was when I, I mean, the kit's heavy, right? Like the helmet's heavy and all that sort of shit you get on you. And the only time it's heavy is like, you can do a two hour dive the only time the shit matters is it's heavy is when you're on the fourth rung of the ladder and you break neutral buoyancy. And then all of a sudden after neutral buoyancy, you're like, Oh shit, this is 120 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> and you got to get up the, over the edge and you're like, Oh my God. But that's all it's of like 10 20 sec- seconds, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, okay. Like I think I can probably pull that off. Yeah. Um, so it really is never like a big deal to me. Um, <clears throat> the functional fitness part came later in life when I had a new challenge and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't accomplish this mm-hmm. with those skills. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're just extremely, I mean, obviously you're task oriented, but how do I develop myself to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish? That's, That's your it. Yeah. Like, what do I need? What skills do I need to learn or develop to be able to function in this new environment? Yeah. 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 There's just, I mean, there's principles about that. Like, uh, Josh, you'll be able to talk about the, I, I was I, actually going to cut you off. I didn't want to, I didn't want to pull a mic and cut you off earlier, but I thought it was like the perfect time to snap it in. It's actually funny the way that you, <laughs> you, uh, you actually phrase, you know, like you said, obstacle is like, you know, and if you haven't read it, like my, my big shout out right now is the obstacles, the way by Ray holiday is a fantastic book. And if there's great book. Yeah. And I can't think of any, any better of a, <laughs> an analogy than than that book. I think the uh, and the Chinese emperor talks about the boulder in the way of this of this path. You know, just just get it over with. And you know the uh, story of Sisyphus at the rock. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're w- yep. familiar with that, but you know, mm-hmm. if the rock gets, he pushes the rock. Mm-hmm. You know, he just keeps pushing the rock. And you know, if you listen to Jocko, <laughs> he, he <laughs> everyone doesn't listen to Jocko. Jocko. So like Jocko talks about, you know, the 
the rock gets to the top of the hill, you know what I would do? Push it off again. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's sort of, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of parallels there for mm -hmm. sure. And I have read that book a couple mm -hmm. times. It is a great book. Yeah. And it sort of sets your, there's a whole, you know, I think there's a whole line in on those stoic sort of books. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of them that sort of, but when you look at the common thread between them all, yeah. it's all the same thing. It's sort of like perspective. What is it's not what if or what's next. It's what is. It's the period. There's no question marks there. I live in the current, the now. What is? To me, that's compelling. I think it's a great perspective. All right. Back on track here. When you enlisted, the way they trained then when they enlisted compared to how they, how they train now, how they train the soldiers now, <coughs> in the last 20 years, how has that changed and why has it changed? The last 20 years so when i when i enlisted um it was push-ups sit-ups pull-ups which i still do it's it's in grand you can't get wrong with those and i'm not i will never knock them i mean they're they're great because you don't need anything to do them and it can keep you strong um but it was push-ups sit-ups pull-ups and it was uh, in a collective environment so it was a platoon or a company um and you're only challenged uh, to the least common denominator. So, you know, if you're out for a run, you're, you know, you got sergeant watching you do PT. I mean, there's 30 dudes there or, you know, 60 dudes. Like, there's one guy, you know, like, there's one, you're, you're one guy doing it. He's not paying attention to you. Like, he's paying attention to the 70 guys that aren't doing it right, you know. So, it, that's where you sort of learn to be that self-motivator. So, I'll give it credit for that. Like, it's an easy it's an easy course on um, being a self-starter. Like you see the people around you and you're like, I guess I could do that, but, and he's not watching me. So this is my opportunity to, you know, shit off, but I'm here. So, and I want to do, I'm going to do some push-ups, and I'm going to do them as hard as I can, as fast as I can, you know, and nobody's paying attention to you. So I think that environment there in the beginning where it's not really focused on functional fitness, there is opportunities there like for you to say, Hey, can I, I can either be a self-starter or not, but, and what I would say about that too, is that the army's always eight, eight years behind everything. And I don't knock the army. I love the army. It's been great for me and my family for 20 years, like taking care of us. And, uh, I'll never knock it. I feel compensated. Well, I've been to lovely places <laughs> all over this planet and, uh, but I'll never knock it. Um, but when it comes to talking about like their timeliness and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but they're behind, you know, and they're behind on everything. I mean, whenever I, my wife and I today were talking about when I told her I was coming over here to do this podcast, she was, what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I guess we're going to talk about this army stuff, you know, like in CrossFit and like functional fitness. And, uh, she's like, huh, interesting. She goes, cause she's in the army too. She's active duty. She goes, well, uh. Yeah, Mike, why didn't you invite her? We should have. Sounds have we should have she doesn't right drink now. beer. <laughs> uh, epic fail. So, yeah, you know, she comes. Um, we got white claws for her. She, uh, First of all, don't even she, pretend like they're not Dave's. Black cherry, and no one knows about it. She goes, you, so you're going to talk about, like, how jacked up we are? And I go, well, no, not really. I mean, I just. We're, we're, we're behind and we got this website called army knowledge online AKO and it's where we're supposed to do all our business and it was like an epic fail because it just every 
when the WWW World Wide Web came out, the army was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta do that." Well, that was two thousand, <laughs> and then it was shit, and it's still shit, <laughs> and you can't do anything on it. So, it was sort of the same with functional fitness. Like we're just now unassing ourselves on functional fitness. You know, we just now got like guidance from the headquarters of Department of Army on what the test is going to look like. Um, Haven't they uh, recently adjusted their like the combat, like some like combat fitness test, something like that, where you're, you're dragging, you're dragging people to you know simulates dragging a buddy out, yeah. you gotta throw stuff over a wall, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you know this is uh, it's 2020, and we went we started combat in, t- in uh, 2001. <laughs> And the soldiers have been saying this for a while. I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, all the soldiers were barking about it up front, but like when CrossFit hit, right, like big, like in 20, really in 2004, this is sort of like when it started catching momentum. Um, it was just a, it was an aversion towards it. You know, it's like, that's blasphemy. Like it's push ups, sit ups, pull ups, extend to the left, re- extended rectangular formation, you know, like lockstep, and CrossFit's not that. And so there was an aversion, you know, a cultural aversion to that. And um, it, it's taken a long time, you know, and even like a lot of functional fitness stuff started popping up in 2010 or 11. And I started going to that, you know, because I was going to transition to a, a spot in my career where I needed that. I started going to that. But like I can remember doing workouts in gyms for like an hour and never and I was the only guy in there in, on a military installation doing functional fitness and they had created you know 50 60 80 thousand dollar facilities and i was the only guy in there (laughs) so but and i had only gone in there you know full transparency i had only gone in there because like we had discussed earlier i have to get new skills for a new operational environment so it just wasn't a thing so how were you introduced to crossfit well so i wasn't introduced to, to crossfit i was introduced to um to functional fitness I I was told I needed it. Um, I had uh, I put in an application to go uh, to go into the uh, Special Forces Operational Detachment Delta, and um, they said, "Hey, if you're going to go there, here's what you got to do. Like you've got to be functionally fit." And again, you know, I'm that push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, running. I loved going out and running. Like I still do, eight, ten miles. I just like it. I like the feel of it. But it was a different game, you know, and I sort of understood that, the gravity of it. So I started doing I started doing functional fitness stuff because of that. And just to give a, a quick... 2009. Understanding to that, like, talk about the... What is it called? The AFT, I think it is? ACFT. Um, Army Combat Fitness Test, I think. Well, talk, compare that to the, the, the normal test of... It's what, a two-mile run, max push-ups... Max has max pulse, I think, right? Yeah, so That's no, there's no pull ups. We're the Army, not Marine Corps. So let's get that clear. Uh, a, lot, a lot of Marines out there right now probably just shuddered <laughs> inside and cried. But so there's no pull ups in the Army test, which is a shame. But it's two minutes of as many push ups as you can do, two minutes of as many sit ups as you can do, and then it's a two mile run and as fast as you can run it. Yeah. Now compare that to the. So the Especially, ACFT yeah. is, uh, and let me try to get this right because it just came out. I, I mean, honestly, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I think it's a squat. There's a hang and hold knee raise. Like a um, knees to elbow type movement, right? Yep, yep, that's it. Um, so what we would call knees to elbow. Uh, there's um, a, sh- uh, a drag 
sprint and shuttle. It's got some kettlebells in there, and you got to go back and forth a few times. Here's the interesting one: is there's a ball throw. It's a ten pound ball, <laughs> and you would not believe the grown men that do not how to throw something over their head. They do not know how to do it. The ball goes straight up in I the don't air. Believe it. it goes in the in the, and it's not against them. You know, it's not a character assassination. It's nothing personal. It's the fact that they don't understand the, how the human body functions in movement. They don't understand that, that power comes from hips and shoulders. They're two generators in our body. And that was something I didn't know before. You know, I, I started doing this stuff, like, before functional fitness. I just didn't understand, like, my power comes from my hips and my shoulders. But to watch a grown man get up there that's my age and throw a ball, like, four feet, <laughs> it's <laughs> sort of embarrassing, you know? You're like, afterwards, you're like, come here, come here, bro. I just want to hug you and help you out, man. That's right. Like, we got to be able to do this, man. Our wives are watching, for God's sake. Called the standing power throw. That's it. It's a... It's <laughs> It's like a ten, a it's ten pound ball, and I forget how far. But I, you know, and, and I'm not of, bragging or anything. Is 10 pounds it's just a ten pound. Is it like a bowling a, like ball? A, no, 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 it's like, like a, a shot put. Like a shot put. Shot put? Yeah. No, no, it's not a shot put ball. It's oh. a, it's a um, wall ball. Oh, okay. looks like a wall like ball. A slam ball. So it's yeah, a, it looks like a slam ball. Yeah, gotcha, yeah, like gotcha. slam ball. So you you get up to this line and you grab the ball and you do an about face, which is an 180 turn for civilians, right? Hold on, these dudes were only thrown at four feet. So, so the, again, you know, they don't understand. They, they, the release is late, or the release is early, and they're not using their hips. They're using, using they're arms. pulling their, they're throwing with their arms. Bicep you know? city. So it's like, yeah. So it's like this, this combination of wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I'm stealing that for like everything in life. Like a combination. Of <laughs> yeah, wrong. Somebody did the bad right. I wrecked my car. What happened? It was a combination of wrong. I don't know what happened. What but like, it's this combination of wrong that you watch and you're going. Why did we start with the arms? <laughs> like you're in an air squat position, you got to pick the ball up to the ground, throw it behind you, you know. And and again, you know, like I look at those guys, nothing personal. They don't know what they don't know, and you want to teach them, you know. And that's where we're at right now in the army. That's a lot of people. Like I went, I remember them putting me up there for that first test. There's two or three guys that had gone to the CrossFit Proving Ground, right? Like, and there's two or three guys from the gym that that I had taken with me to this test, and it was like the diagnostic, the initial. And we ripped that damn thing. I mean, all of us, even little guys, right? <laughs> right, and people were like, damn. And we were just like, we just threw the ball. But that comes from CrossFit. Right. Yeah. You know, that comes from understanding how your body works and, you know, generating power from your hips and your shoulders and understanding the mechanics of cord, those motions. Cord extremity. Abs, cord extremity, yeah. that's it, yeah, absolutely. So, nerd. So you got into That's not nerd That's CrossFit level 2 man <laughs> That's, that's gladiator shit <laughs> Quarter extremity Midline stabilization Learn those things You're good to go That's nerd I don't know I think I got Dave beat I'm just hiding it right now He's messing Accurate The uh, I'll be dazzled on your book That's legit Just, just so, so we all unicorn? know Mike's Fuck notebook unicorn. Is a purple bedazzled <laughs> unicorn no, not, not bedazzled There's a unicorn There's on there um, Oh, that's you. Believe, that believe with the unicorn. <laughs> that's what that's what Mike Montgomery writes I, in. I will put. A, I'll post a picture of it out there for you guys. <laughs> Promise. We got thousands of, I mean, singles of listeners. Um, thousands of singles of listeners. For the six people still listening right now. Yeah, maybe. Why? Let me ask you though. After all your training, and then your your when did you start your uh, CrossFit? You so you founded CrossFit Proving Ground. At, at APG just a few years ago. Yep. And then 
let me ask you, why should the general public train like soldiers? Like what, if you train at that, maybe it's not that, that degree, it's the degree of training, not the difference in the type of training, but if you, you are an advocate of, of CrossFit training and functional training, obviously on a different degree level, if you're training to go into a special forces or into uh, combat or something like that, but on the same degree, why would you say the general public should train like that? You know, so it goes back to like GPP, right? General physical preparedness. Um, like it, the movements and the things that we do, um, they, they don't really need to vary like between myself and, you know, grandma Maybelline. It's the level of intensity, right? So everybody needs to be able to move. If I need to be able to do a squat, grandma needs to be able to get off the toilet right like same stuff you know when i was at when i went to my level one class crossfit rife i think i'm down in virginia beach i talked to you about this i think before you know um during that course a 60 something year old woman came up and she was like uh um i was headed to the nurse the nursing home because i couldn't get off the toilet and my children didn't know what to do with me and just so happens my daughter's husband was a crossfit guy and he goes well you know like it's going to be hard to send you to this home and nobody wants this. Like, let's just give this a shot. And that was two years before I saw her and she climbed a 15 foot rope in front of me twice and she couldn't get off the toilet two years ago, you know? So that, you know, it, those kind of things make you a believer and sort of that's, that's how the translation there occurs. Like, I don't care if you're a soldier. I don't care if you're training for the WWE. Like, I don't care who you are. Like you need to be able to move. And while you're, while you're moving, you need to have strength and that gives you quality of life that's sort of the big thing there 100 percent. i mean <clears throat> mental toughness you gotta have mental toughness to train you know when we're training in our crossfit classes or in our boot camp classes it teaches you mental toughness it teaches you uh resilience and like you said earlier the shared hardships we're all suffering in these classes you know a little bit shared suffering shared suffering together, man. it brings people together you join this community of people and then it makes you come back tomorrow yeah and then every day you come back it's those little wins that create you know your large goals that you meet over time and there's that one day where there's that those two or three people that sort of you look at and you're like man, those are the guys or the gals that set the standard and then one day you beat them you know and you're like damn and it lights that fire and that doesn't happen in without a group setting right and that does and you know the good thing about it's crossfit much, much more difficult to happen but it, it, it can, does but, it, but it, it's very small percentage small most small people will quit percentage. without you, that you may, you may do that in a gym with two or three other people but you take that home with yourself and you you see that as a win the difference in the crossfit gym is that after you beat that person that person comes up and gives you a fist bump and they're like that was freaking awesome that's the community part of it. Yeah. And that, I think, once this COVID shit winds down and starts to level off, there's going to be so many people that are working out that have been inspired to work out on their own, which is, which is amazing, that are going to go, what's the next step? And the next step is community. Yeah. And that's what makes your – the I, this is one thing I noticed about your guys' gym and, and how you cross, you know, specialize with your Legion method. I think I think that level method is gold, absolute gold. Because, I, like I mean, it. me and Dave talk about it all the time. My biggest quip with CrossFit in the beginning was that 
it not that it had had a periodization type of style to it, but that it was almost too random. And I think that because you get that level method in there, now you actually kind of get like literally a level of you can kind of gauge yourself where it is. Where like if you're just doing CrossFit without the level method, it's just like okay, I'm just here working out today, and that's yeah. it. Well, I wouldn't Versus I wouldn't agree 100% with that, basically because <laughs> what what you're saying, the programming is is not random. I mean, maybe you, you thought it was random, but programming well, random is not from, random. From a periodization standpoint of, of somebody who's... Not direct progression, I think is... Yes. Yeah. So we use a uh, method for those of you listening that don't know. It's called the level method. And basically what we do is we have... Uh, it, it looks like almost like a martial arts belt, okay? From white all the way up to black and red belt. And the more... The farther the right you go, the, f- the higher the level you go, the more... Uh, skills you gain or the or the more uh, uh, the higher level you are at that particular more skill and, and that, w- that was going to be 15 positive on it was that 15 different uh, I'm glad somebody tests. came out with it because you know if you come in like before it's much I'm much easier like to, to transition into this yeah. program yeah, you when you don't feel like you have to be a black belt immediately yeah. or you don't feel that pressure of being inferior because you can't you don't even know how to lift a bar and it's easier for coaches you know and so there's a good and a bad there right that i've noticed you know coaching for you and um it's easier for coaches when a new guy comes in you know like having run crossfit proving ground and watching people sort of float in unexpected you know as a new coach you're going what do i do with this guy i don't know if he's and i gotta get do i give him some pvc stick him in the do i put him in you know you just don't know but with level method there's white you know, or there's less, yeah. and, and you you sort of have the latitude and the autonomy as a coach yeah. to be like, I'm gonna do this with you. But there's a there's a gauge there. The bad part about that for me that I've experienced is, and it's not bad. I would just say it's sort of a. I think it can potentially be a constraint, is that, um, it's written out for you, as a as a coach. You come in, there it is, white, whatever. The, I can't recall the exact colors. White, yeah, white, goes, yellow, yeah, orange. Yeah, yellow, blue. orange, purple brown you know it's written out and you know and it's almost like i mean i've coached classes before where i'm I'm up at the i'm a whiteboard guy and i call the whiteboard the tv and every time we break i bring them back to the whiteboard and i'm go this is home base for us all of us like this is how i do it and i'll bring them back to home base and i know they're listening but they're really sort of on their little personal like whiteboards and they're writing it down and it's almost like there's not an opportunity because it's all spelled out for you as a coach to look at the individuals in your class, their strengths and weaknesses, and go, I want you, want you to start with 135. And I'd like for you over here to start with 95. And I want you to go 16 reps, but you're going to go 12. Or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Like, they already know. They've looked at it the night before. And so it's not that it, it, it prevents you from coaching because it doesn't because you can still get in there and get shit done. But – it becomes so, I guess, lockstep for the athletes that well, they're, also, like, they're keep, used to getting in there and it just keeps doing your class shit. moving though. Because if oh, you, no, have, if you have fifteen the, people the in there, parts. you don't. By the time you tell fifteen people what weight you want on the bar, <laughs> that's been fifteen minutes. When I started CrossFit Proving Ground, I would tell everybody you know that came in that knew anything about CrossFit, <laughs> the the single hardest thing about it was class management for me. I mean, 60 minutes, well, that's, that's like the gold standard for me. You yeah. know, like I need people need to be moving out after a finish and a, and a cool down at 60 minutes. And it was so hard for me to get that done in the beginning. Well, you that's know, a, I just that's didn't experience. understand. You know, and it that, takes, and the level method, all of us had that problem. Easy peasy, man. What, what I 
have liked recently about the level of method. And this is coming from also, you know, for as long as I've, or I should say when I first started coaching class management and making sure that you're getting everybody done at that hour mark, right? Because people got to go. They got to go work. They got to. Things to do, man. They, yeah. base their, they base their whole day on the 60 minutes. What you said before, actually, this ties in. They're in this gym so that they can do stuff outside the gym, right? So um, Some of them. But, well, you know, they should be. But like. Easy, Brandon. <laughs> the. Um, just giving to you. The level method gives you a baseline. So I get some I get some athletes right. They they come in and, and say like the RX weight for dudes is is one thirty five. But I I know this guy's he's a strong cat. He'll come up to me and be like, dude, can I get one fifty five? Are you good with that? And I'm like, yeah. You know I, I know your movement quality is gonna yeah. maintain through this ten minute workout. You know what I mean? Um, or some people they're like, hey Dave, look the uh, the the yellow level says that I need to be doing what five pull ups. Um, but I can't quite do pull-ups, so can I do like two to three, or can I do somebody, whatever it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and them asking you, hey, like, what can I, what can I adjust? But it gives you a baseline. The old method gives you a baseline. I, I I do appreciate that. And being able to set to set goals like that, when you have somebody that comes in to any type of fitness across the board, there's that. What's the word I want to use? There's that like hesitation. There's that like. Uh, almost like they don't want to be bad at anything, which is funny because you're coming in to do something that you haven't done before and yeah. you're expecting to be Everybody wants to be a hero at the first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've done a ton of different sport modalities and I've coached a ton of stuff and I've seen a ton of stuff. And, like, even I came in and it was so nice for me to, like, look at it and be like, all right, I'm, I'm like, black on some of these yeah. and then I'm, like, yeah. yellow on some of these. Yep. But for me, that's great because it's like, all right, now I know where I'm at. Yeah. I don't. I don't shows your guess. weaknesses and shows where you need to yeah. what you need to work on. And now, for for me personally, I like. I gotta have a goal. Like I see you on me, that jump rope every day. Uh, I'm trying to get them double unders, man. I, I get like four in a row, and I get like all jazzed up, and then I forget I was doing the double unders, and then I smack <laughs> that thing into my toes, <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, I forgot I gotta keep going. Okay, I, I get like five, and I'm like, yes, oh Bloody shit, I gotta stunts. keep going. But like, it takes time. You know, when you have when you have that it's goal, it's nice because I mean, I don't know how you guys are, but like. Once you become a NARP and, you know, you're just a regular person and you're like, I'm not playing sports. I'm not, you know, serving my country. Like, what you're getting old, boss. What the hell do I do yeah. with myself? So, do but do then you get on there and you're like. What drives that competition, yeah. right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and then, not just with other people, but like internally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and I don't get that a lot. And that, like, day two of looking at that level method, I'm like, oh, okay. This, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. This yeah, that, nice. That's a perspective yeah. I haven't thought of yet. Yeah. You know, because I am in that mm-hmm. sort of competitive mode, mostly. Yeah. I'm in the military. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I can sort of look forward to, you know, more years of my career where I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to get to compete against, you know, these other military guys and good deployments and all that. That's really something I hadn't thought of really, you know, like that could be it. Cause I don't know what that looks like on the other end of my military career, you know, I, and I've often worried about it. Mm-hmm. And that, that one, the, uh, I love how they've broken it down into very simple aspects that everybody can relate to. Cause I know. Like, for me, I've personally worked with a ton of athletes, a ton of – I've worked with some military personnel. I've worked with some Olympians. I've kind of had, like, a very broad range. So to steal your kind of, like, the civilian that's non-athletic NARPs or non-athletic regular people. The <laughs> first time I ever heard yeah. that. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm stealing it. Yeah, n- NARPs, non-athletic regular people. Um, it's it's nice to see how, the, how you know, it's the electricity, the plumbing. Uh, what's the other – the um, Ventilation. Ventilation. That's a, I knew that had something to do with air. 
Um, that's your energy system. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it's nice because you know, man. like for like that's for it. us, you know, we're a bunch Keep of nerds. I'm a body nerd. For somebody who doesn't know, things. creatine phosphate phase, oxygen, you know. Yeah, yeah. For like crabs, teeth, yeah. you know. That's a, We're gonna get into that. Click one of these. We're gonna yeah. talk about this more. So in like that. That's where I nerd out. So I out. But like, if you don't, like, if you come in and you don't know those things, that's an easy. Again, that kind of leads to that. Like when you're new to when you're new to working out, or if you're new to CrossFit, or if you're new to a different modality of working out, that's not what you've been doing it's such an easy breakdown like yeah anybody can walk in on us off the street and go all right maybe my plumbing kind of sucks i admit maybe maybe and my strength is low, low but i'm explaining those helps make people understand the workouts too because if you can say hey we're going to do this workout and here's what it is it's 21 pull-ups 21 thrusters 15 pull-ups 15 thrusters nine pull-ups nine thrusters this should take you less than six minutes if you do this correctly this is how you should feel and you're going to be using this energy system, which is electricity and a little bit of plumbing and a little bit of it. You're going to be losing, using a little bit. But then you have somebody that says, I'm going to take three-minute break between each set. That's going to make it much, much differently. Yep. All right. Colleague, one last question for you because we're, we're coming up on the Murph here in about two weeks. And just wanted to ask you how, like these CrossFit Hero workouts – how does that, how does that, <laughs> look, man, this is a serious question. Cully's over there drinking. He's drank like eight Coronas. That's wrong. He's, he's getting I'm, a little silly over there. On me. I, there's somebody that just farted in here. It's <laughs> disgusting. It's the guy to my left. Dude. Josh. <laughs> Admittedly, will, full transparency, it was me. That was I'm fantastic, sorry. and I'm, I wish I could claim it. Well, Let's blame it on the dog. Claim it, We're in the studio, and the studio is small. And the windows are shut, so just it smells so put good. You, we're just putting yourself, all your senses into the AOE this right podcast. now. Is just killing me. Just civilians, casualties all around. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, cr- focus. CrossFit hero workouts. How did you being deployed and being a twenty-year uh, veteran, like? I've never been in the military. I respect you so much for for what for your service and 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 everyone's service. These things hit home for me. You know, when we're doing a cro- I I take it to a different level. I'm not I'm not doing it for my own gain. I'm doing it because I'm paying tribute. And we we talked about this last podcast. We did a Murph podcast last week. And we're doing it to pay tribute because of what the sacrifice these guys went through. And the sacrifices you made for the country in the last 20 years, and then you go and and uh, you do some of the, or you you go on Memorial Day and you you do a tr- you know the Murph or whatever hero workout we do that day, that's got to take it home to you because you've seen things that we can't even imagine seeing, you know. And just wanted to get your take on it, you know, when, when you heard about these hero workouts, what it, what it, what went through your mind? You know the the here like the Murph, right? Like it's it's legendary, and I, I like to do the Murph, and t- we we all do. Yeah, uh, most people that do functional fitness, CrossFit, military look forward to the Murph. Um, but I, I didn't know him, you know, and I do it because um, I understand his struggle and his sacrifice and I understand the impact that his death had and what his family's gone through and what he did for our country. Um, 
so I do it every year and I don't feel I feel a connection but I can't feel it like like some of my buddies that are seals like they feel it and so I got people that I know that have been lost and um you know crossfit gyms across this is what they're so good good at and good for is that you know crossfit gyms across america like if somebody dies in combat like in your local like we had one of my buddies in baghdad in 16 he died and um the local crossfit gym made a wad for him and we went online and we saw it come up and it was emotional for us and you know the murph is is emotional as it is right like you can't do it without hearkening back and thinking and thinking about his sacrifice and about the teams right like and about what they're about and about their camaraderie and the shit they do and it's it's real and but for when it gets that to that point where it's it hits home it's even more personal and so they do they have a huge impact you know um it's just is the closer it gets to you know home base the more personal it becomes and i just remember like there's a lot of guys when we did that one in 16 that were very emotional to include me during the workout because we understood what it was for and you know it's like it's you just it, what you're doing and you're suffering and it just pales in comparison to what he went through and what his family's gone through and you just wish you could feel that but you can't i mean that's exactly you know i mean on memorial day we do the murph but you don't have to do it and i mean we're doing it in memory of of michael murphy and and the you know seal teams and, and yep. red wings and that and that but it's not just for michael murphy on memorial day it's for everyone we lost on memorial day i mean even if it wasn't in the military i think about my dad you know i lost my dad in a car yeah. accident yeah you know 14 years ago and I get emotional Memorial Day. I mean, it's not just, you know, Memorial Day. I memorialize everyone I've lost. And when you're doing that workout, you forget that you're having a hard time breathing or your biceps are burning. You're just, if you put your you put yourself there, you can push harder. That's your brain. Yeah. That's your mind. You know, your mental toughness, you know. But, I mean, that's what I was asking to do. When you're doing a workout like Murph, you're probably thinking about the guys that, that you know. And then that's, that's, yeah, hits it home, is. You know, and you exactly. know, you're thinking about your dad, you know, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, like that shared suffering, like suffering comes in many different forms. You know, my, my suffering is, and I lost my dad a year ago, uh, on May 6th, a couple of days ago and, um, shared suffering, right? Like, yeah, I do. Like when I was over there in 16 doing that, I was thinking about my buddy and we all were. But there was also uh, also other people that joined us for that workout that didn't know him, but they were they were working out they were working through their own struggles. And then when you're in that workout, you know, and you're doing that fiftieth box jump or whatever you're on, and you look to your left and your right, that individual is in their own personal struggle. They're working through that, and it may not be a service member. It may be their daughter they lost. It may be their father. It may be their mother. You know, like, and that's what's so all encompassing about CrossFit is that those workouts bring people together. And that workout, that hero wad is, yes, it is for an individual, but that is a umbrella event that pulls so many people with so many different struggles. They're going through so many different suffering, sufferings. It pulls them all under that one umbrella and everybody feels it at the same time. You look to your left and your right, and there's not a pe- person in there that might be military, but you can see them, why they're there, 
they have a purpose for being there and they understand why we're there as military. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree, man. That I'm fired up about Murph now. I love Memorial Day, my f- my favorite holiday. To I hate Murph. I, I Wait, love time Memorial out. Day. You're, you're taking Memorial Day over Fourth of July all day long, man. Wait, you have never been a, a part of this. That's the opening, man. Like that's the gates open. You've had for summer. Yeah, but you guys. I mean, I like both. Like equally, I'm just saying. Like you've never been part of this event we have on Memorial Day. When you have a hundred of your members here. And they're all here to memorialize and pay tribute to. It's an amazing day, and it, it was only been, you know, this is our sixth one. I'm telling you, it's it's uh it's just a good day. That's my favorite so day. I want to go on the record as saying I don't I don't hate Murph. I was gonna say right. you hate the workout. <laughs> I hate the workout, right? <laughs> so like it's last year it was absolutely miserable for me. I lost my dad, um, yeah. you know, like a few weeks before, uh. and uh, you know I was just I was in bad shape. And uh, phys- physically and literally, um, emotionally, all that, and I came into Murph. Just I was like, you know, I gotta get my, my, I gotta get my shit right, and it just destroyed me. And it was good for that because it sort of resets you, right? Yeah. It calibrates, yeah. you know, absolutely sets you back and go. It's that it's that moment in time where you're like, either you know what, you know, that's I've been doing really well, or. I got some gaps in my game. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what, that's what we were talking about last week when I, mean, I that's said it's the baseline. That's what it's know? for, man. That's what it's for. I was like, even even if you come in brand brand new, like you're gonna know where you're at, and it's okay to it's okay to be where you're at because that's where it's at. It's okay not to finish. Yeah. You know, like it, sometimes it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's not an easy thing to even think about. It's just the point. It's the tribute. It's not about the workout. It's about the tribute. It's Agreed. about showing up. It's about Shared hardships. I mean, I like the red, white, and blue socks and t-shirts too. And yoga pants. I like yoga pants. On oh, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Asterix. Not on you, Mike. Oh, because I got a pair because the girls Please gave me a pair. Please don't wear those. Red Please white. don't ever wear those. <laughs> He's wearing them right now. Yoga pants. They got <laughs> underneath his baggy <laughs> jeans, man. <laughs> See him. His dad jeans. <laughs> Are those New Balances? Are those the new six hundred fours? These are what I call my he mall walkers. <laughs> Nike Air Monarchs. <laughs> yeah. These are my Nike Wait, mall walkers. Are there, I was going to say, are those your grass mowing ones or are those your night out New Balances? Well, they got green stains on them. Those are night out. Mm-hmm. They're yellow yeah. and blue. Those are clean. <laughs> Rocking. Hey, man, when you're older than me, you can, sh- you can wear whatever you I'm want. I'm as old as you. I don't wear what you wear. Yeah. <laughs> but I still love you. We won't talk about what you're wearing. All right. <laughs> All right. Pet, like hey, I'm going to put you, looks, on, I'm gonna put so you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number one CrossFit class pet peeve as a coach? Pet peeve. Laura. Laura, Laura. That's just good at 530. Number one CrossFit class pet peeve is I work on this all the time. And I'm better at it. A hell of a lot better. When people come late, and I got a lot of people that come late at 530. When you're when I'm coaching a sixteen hundred People come late, okay. I, I'm r- more frustrated about that. At the 5.30, I have a little more leniency. But, like, you can ask any of the girls from the 5.30. I don't get angry when they come in. But there's an, there's an underlying current of hate that, <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I push down. And I smile and I say, hey, jump right in. Join on. Join the group. And But it really is. Inside you know, it's, it's punctuality because it goes back. And, and this, this is the part of the civilian military connection that, 
I need to understand and I need to deconstruct this military model in my mind of like, I, I am, I am seriously punctual. Like when I, when to people, fill you guys in, I'm going to, when people don't make it, like when you're not there two minutes before I start sort of, well, where, where is everybody at? Because the thing about CrossFit is when you start a class, there's your number and you're going, okay, I can go with this. And then four people show up and you've got this, you've got this rotation and this number in your, in your mind four by four by four racks by this many barbells and you've worked it out and then four people show up. no i'm sorry three people odd number yeah. show up <laughs> and you're going number three fuck you you're out <laughs> but yeah so Total i mean that's sort of it for me like it's the it's the and, and i think I'm, I'm a little better at it now but when i first started coaching like i just remember like there were times where it would like four people would show up it just crumble me but now i'm I'm good to go. This, like, is, Ar- this is the army talking. He gets here. Like, let me fill you guys in a little bit that you're listening. Five thirty, five thirty a.m. class. It's still dark outside. It's really middle of night class. Only I call in the it. winter. Yeah, and or yeah. By the time we get gone again, it's going to be winter again, probably. But anyway, five thirty a.m. He's here at four forty-five. Well, I mean, walking around the gym with PVC, the going nuts, crazy. Trust me, I looked at the video. Five minutes late. So I he's here for 45 minutes, and he's ready to start at 5.30. Well, 5.30 class starts. you got three people here. Stacy's still asleep. Yeah, Stacy's still sleeping. Yeah. She rolls in at about Amanda, 5.37. still asleep. Now, question for you. Have you ever worked at a CrossFit gym where they had any like penalty? Hey, Dave, thanks for cutting me off. Yes, I have. I owe you like I 10 cutoffs. I was say, I actually start. really appreciate you Fair cutting Mike off. What I was saying was, I, when I'm co- I coach Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Coach... Uh, Cully coaches Thursday and Friday. He's here at 4:45. I'm here at 5:35. I'm like five minutes late every morning, maybe. And they, and they bitch about that. Just let yeah, you know. I know they do. But you know what? He's never me. here early. Does that ain't prepared? They love me. But that's no, the beauty of the level method. You should already hey, know what yeah, you're doing. But you know what? If you're, if you're the coach, you should. Already, if you're the athlete, <laughs> and right. your coach is late. You already have all the things you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you literally just. This is the difference up, between uh, what I'm saying is this is military versus civilian. Well, I'm well, a civilian. He, he's also the owner. Let's well, make that, yeah. let's so make that clear. Mark's here. I'm not arguing with him. So good to see you. I'm so trying, man. I'm trying. That was that was one of my goals. I've been better this year. But uh, anyway, Dave, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. Are you done? Oh, that's right. Yes. Are you Dave, done now? Dave yeah, hit it. All right, cool. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> Good timing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, legit, have you ever had a like a penalty, like burpees or whatever, that you enforce if people are late? No, you know, like I worked. Well, I didn't work, but I was in a gym at one point in time, where if you signed up for a class, and say you signed up for like six a.m. and you didn't make it, they charged you. Dude. Like they charged you a late fee. So let me get this straight: they're paying you. To coach them, and you're charging them because they're so late. I wasn't coaching. No, I was an athlete. No, I know, but, but I'm yes, saying yes, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's so you're paying legit. them a hundred yeah. and whatever it is a month, yeah. to come in, and then when you don't come in, they charge you a late fee. And the reason behind that was they're paying twenty five dollars to pay a coach, right? Nobody shows up, right? Like shit happens. You oversleep, well, kids sick or whatever. You don't have time to get on the app and be like i can't come in so they're gonna charge you like i forget what the fee was but it was some craziness but yeah so yeah well that's not gonna happen here i was an athlete there not a coach 
Never showed up late, right? That's not going to happen here, but what... I did. I did a couple times. Sometimes I just didn't go. So... Might have been the coach. Showing up late is your number one pet peeve. Listen yeah. to that. Yeah. Morning class, people. Also listen I mean, to this. So when he comes in, also he's like, listen Hi, to this. If you do, welcome. If you do show up late, I will greet you with open arms and a smile and, and a hug. And stuffing a lot of hate down, down deep. <laughs> but I can get rid of that. I'm good at that. Part. He's working on it. He's he's going through therapy right now. <laughs> or, <laughs> it, through some therapy. It is funny that you said that because as a sports performance coach with collegiate athletes and across the board, that I'm in the same boat. That's the indicator. Yeah. It's like, are you committed or not? Yeah, you know? are you, like, are you, you in gotta, this or not? You remember, like, you, but you said – this is the part that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of working out. As you said, you know, collegiate athletes or professional athletes, sports performance. This is the lady that cuts hair downtown, and she's late. I got to figure my own shit out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's me. Like, I can't, like, I can't, we talked about perspective earlier. I can't keep letting that trip me up. And then two hours later, leaving here going, why can't she just be here on time? That's, that's it's you, arm- not her, man. Yeah, it's you. That's the army talking, though, because if they're coming in late, look. I want to welcome them because I don't want them to feel intimidated because I'm late. I can't go now. Yeah. Right. Because they mean, won't come in the next day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, but that's, uh, I get what you're saying though. But what you do is, if you, you, you know, that's, we're all working on our, our pet peeves. Yeah. We all mine's, got our mine's, own you know what mine was? Jump ropes. Jump ropes. Hanging them up right. Who we got, Russ? I got, so I got a, hey, Russ, I got you want to join us? I got a, I got a plate pet peeve. Oh my gosh! Oh, you got a plate pet peeve. <laughs> Hit it! Like I'm probably obsessive and compulsive about plates. Yeah, well, join the and club. Put up. Okay, that's good. Well, that, I mean that that goes back to there wasn't a weight room that I worked in that somebody wasn't anal about the plates, and until it's in a disarray, you don't get why somebody's anal about it. Right. But then the second it's out of order, you notice it. What about having one plate that's rogue on one side? Oh, yeah. And one no, plate that's like. Titan fitness on the other side. How about yeah. this? How about One's metal the same. They're the same. <laughs> I, had a, I, a, <laughs> I like that I had a guy at a proving ground that would, and he's a great guy. His name was Matt. And he had never done CrossFit before, and he was doing it, you know? So bottom line, is like, that's good shit. But he would put his tins on, and then when I said, when I'd walk by him, I'd go, you need to add weight and have clips on the tins. And he would just throw a five on the end over, <laughs> over the clip. <laughs> I'm like, that's pimp right there, brother. <laughs> That's pimp. You just think of a damn. I'm like, let's fix this out. Let's let's work this out. Let's fix it. Like, take the clip That's off. army OCD right goes, there. But that takes time. And I'm like, time well spent. <laughs> time well spent, my friend. Yeah, so that way you don't sling that five off to the person sitting in the rack next to you. <laughs> yeah. Ends up on a toe. Well, listen, fellas. I think we're going to wrap this one up. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. It's a good podcast. Um, we're going to have you back. Don't worry. Where can we find you? Are you on social media? Or are you just on snail mail? Are you on the Twitter sphere? Well, I'm not on the Twitter sphere. I'm not on the Facebook blog or blog. He's a lieutenant colonel. Oh, yeah. he's a, he, are you allowed to be on media. Facebook out there? Huh? Are you allowed to be on Facebook? Yeah, but I just don't. I just need utility. No, no, no. There's I no don't utility it, in it. It's a me. waste of time. Yeah, I mean, for I me, like I, I was on it before, and I found myself just sort of, you know, this is a few years ago scrolling. when I changed thing. Yeah, scrolling, man, just scrolling Lifeway, and like, what am I doing? You come to that sort of moment where you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I just spent two hours and I didn't even know it. Yeah. So I dumped it and just never went back. Dumped politics. I was really into politics and stopped watching the Fox News shit and yeah. confusing my own mind. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm in M- MSNBC. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. But, you know, like, I just, got, I, just got, I just got rid of it. You know, like all of it. Like, so like my total purge. What, if you want to meet Coach Coach Cully, Lieutenant Colonel Cully Neal, you have to 
You'll, you'll meet Lieutenant Colonel Cully Neal at APG. You'll meet Wait, what's his rank again? Lieutenant Colonel Cully Neal. If you want to meet Coach Cully, he's going to be right here. Thursdays and Friday mornings, 5.30 a.m. after the COVID. After COVID. Or I can't could, wait to get started. Or how about Murph? You're going to be here for Murph, right? Maybe? No? Are you going away? I might go away. I may yeah. be back in North Carolina. With well, regardless. Yeah. Um, Thursdays and Fridays, you coach for us, 5.30 a.m. Right. And uh, hopefully we'll And I love that class, and I love that crew, and I love all those girls, and I love Jordan, and I love all the guys, Dan, I love all of them, every one of them. They're great. I agree, 100%. Even if they're late, they're what great. A shout out. To all the people that weren't shout out, we also love you too. <laughs> so all you other coaches no get busy now. We know yeah, who I made love impressions them. I do, on man. Coach I just Gully. love being there with them. It's fun. Know, man. We have a great so time. Much. I think we're gonna crank it up next week for outside classes. Yeah, that's what Aaron told me. She yeah. saw the text or yeah. she she's on. Oh, I good. think it's whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, on whatever. Some media. kind she's of like Mike starting. It's on a cell phone. It's like some kind of Facebook. Mike's been chewing at the bit for like four weeks. Eight weeks. Like, well. Literally chewing at the bit. Like before, you were frustrated. Now you're there's claw marks, there's teeth. Like you would need a yeah, bit. You're right. Yeah. All right, guys. On to the next one. Appreciate you guys. Have yeah, a good man. evening. Have a good weekend. And fun being hope here. you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we'll be having some more fun topics coming at you next week. All right, we're out.